History Notes. Welcome to History Notes, a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. History Notes reports on the people, places, monuments, and events that have shaped our society. Sometimes we examine what has occurred long ago, and at times we look at history happening now. Grab a pad, a pen, or a digital device and get engaged with History Notes. Hello to everyone. I'm Rodney Dawson, Curator of Education at the Greensboro History Museum. And uh, we started this podcast, History Notes, and as I always inform you, it was something that came from my education career, uh, which I'm still in. Uh, but when I was formally teaching in the classroom, it was a way to supplement lesson plans. I used to hate to write lesson plans, but since then, History Notes has evolved into um, a lifelong uh, a learning journey for anyone, whether you're doing formal teaching, informal, church Sunday schools, home schools, whatever it may be. If you like learning, that's what we hope this can be a tool or a resource for you to use. And today... Uh, we are in the midst of our series, uh, Women in Media, and with a concentration on folks from right here in the Gate City and, uh, and the surrounding areas. And we're just uh, pleased to have someone that's been giving us information and doing it in an engaging way for over 20 years at the flagship, flagship station in Greensboro, WFMY. I believe it started in 19, if I'm testing my skills, you know, let's see, uh, <laughs> 1949. I'm going to say 1949. <laughs> And uh, she has two, I don't want to limit you. You got some Emmy Awards. How many is it, two? I do. I had two regional Emmys. They're a great blessing. Okay, if I have time before we get out of here, I want you to explain to folks what an Emmy is. And they, okay. can't, they can't see you, but we are Zooming this call. And I can see those beautiful awards behind you. So, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, they're in the office. They're in the office. Okay, all right. Well, I know a lot of work went into that. And uh, you all do good, good work. And I think you all put an emphasis on engaging an audience, but keeping it informative. Is that something you strive to do uh, personally, or is that like a, uh, uh, a WFMY thing? I think it's a WFMY thing and a me thing. I think um, I was very fortunate to come to a station that allowed for that kind of thought. There are some stations who just want to do it the way that we've always been doing it, and this is the way that we give the news. Um, and WFMY and Tegna, our parent company, is very big on Let's try things. Let's explore. And the whole purpose is, does the viewer get it? Does the viewer understand? How can we answer their question before they even ask it? Okay. I, I listen to a talk show and the host always says, put it where the goats can get it. You know, make it simplistic yes. where everybody can, can get it. And I, I like how you say to try to answer those questions before they're asked. So that's, that's a hard I mean, job. That's something that we all learn. We all learn every single day. I loved your intro there because I love to learn things and I do that every single day. I learn things, I research them, I put them in bite-sized pieces, and then I'm like, okay, how can I tell you what all the things I've learned in a minute 30? Right. Okay. And I have to get better in that. I I'm, in a, I'm still at an hour 30. <laughs> 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 well, if you have the time, take it, right? Yeah. And I love being around college campuses. I love going to A&T and love going to the EUC on the campus of UNCG and just walking around. Not a student at either one of those schools, you know, not a student anymore, but I just like being in that environment and just just being around people. I love talking to elderly folks. I've spoken to uh, Spencer Gwynn. He was a longtime announcer for uh, uh, anti football, and he was a principal, longtime principal uh, at uh, which school was it? Which school? A school it was a school no longer here, but no Smith High School, and uh, and there may be another school. But he's an educator. He's eighty nine. I just love listening to him. I love talking to Shirley Fry 
and Justice Henry Fry. Oh, Shirley yeah. Fry is fabulous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and Louis well, Brand. Because all those people have stories and they mm-hmm. have life experiences and things that were really good that taught them things and things that weren't so good that taught them things. Right, right. And, and Jim Schlosser, you familiar with him? He's retired now. I don't know Jim. He taught, taught, he was a reporter for 40 years, and we interviewed him for a uh, documentary we're working on about Dr. George Simpkins, which you guys have covered for us. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Um, But he just, just sitting down talking to him and the the insight that he could give, you know, from being there 40 years at at, uh, News and Records. And uh, so I just love listening to people like that. And so, uh, and young folks too, like yourself. So. I'm going to love talking to you today. <laughs> I love that you call me young because 15. Okay. I'm we're good the, with that. We're the same age. And I, oh, you, I got you by a month or so. Your birthday's in, your birth month is July. what? July. Mine is May. So I got you by two months. So I'm your senior. We're 15. Yeah. But we're not, we're not old. <laughs> and, we're still going. And we look good. If I should say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> and, um. Oh, well, you know, we started it off. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You're not from North Carolina. So well, I grew up in South Florida. Okay. What's that like? And uh, maybe different than what other people think. I mean, you know, you're not on the beach all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but South Florida, my dad is um, first uh, generation. So he's Puerto Rican. He was born in Puerto Rico. His family came over um, here when he was just six years old. My mom is from New York. They transplanted down to Florida. So I am truly a Floridian, Mm -hmm. believe it or not. There's not that many people around like that. Um, I love South Florida for the fact that it is a melting pot of people. And it is indeed. Uh, I went to school there and near Orlando in Winter Park. Where? Rollins? No, Full Sail. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's truly, uh, just men going to Orlando, it's truly a melting pot. Just, it's, it's incredible uh, to hear the different languages and the different cultures and the different foods. And, the, and and you learn, I learned it's the military as well. Not everyone's monolithic. You know, people from different cultures and backgrounds, uh, ethnicities, they think differently. You know, and yeah. uh, so you can't just go around assuming a bunch of stuff. Different things are important to them, but I think everything that comes down to one thing is uh, each one of those ethnicities, um, everybody's human, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody wants the best for their family, right. wants to be able to provide, wants to be able to make, usually make this world a better place. That's true. That's true. You know, talking to you, I can tell you in, in the media business, because you make this like a conversation. Uh, but when I was uh, <laughs> in the military <laughs> and I was in Iraq, I'm dating myself, the first war, the first Persian Gulf War. And the, soul, the, the Iraqis, or would, we call them EPWs, Enemy Prisoners of War they would give up to the point where we couldn't detain them. They were just giving up in such great numbers. And so what we would do was just take their weapons and we rolled around in these Bradleys. Uh, they're not tanks, but they uh, look like a tank. And we'd lay the weapons down and destroy them. We'd roll over them with the Bradley and then we'd give them MREs to eat. And we'd also run into the British and the, and the French and we would trade. They had sea rations, like food, the old school food. And we would talk to them and, and just sit there and, and talk and find out how much we had in common. But I remember some EPWs giving up, some Iraqi soldiers, and he, one of them spoke English, and he asked us where we were from. And I said, my unit's in Kansas. He said, Kansas, I went to school in Kansas. And he reached in his wallet carefully now. We're watching him closely. <laughs> but he reached to pull out his wallet, pulled out some pictures of his kids, and started talking about all the things he wanted for his family. And even at that young age, I said, we all want the same things in life. You know, yes. And uh, it's just amazing how much we have in common, uh, which is like I, why, one of the reasons I like doing History notes. But being from um, South Florida, can you name or describe uh, something that you would call 
life-shaping, an encounter that helped shape you to be a journalist or a culmination of things or events that made you say, I want to be a reporter. I want to work in the news business. Mm -hmm. So um, I was 10 years old and there was this show on the uh, CBS affiliate, actually, and it was called The Sunday Funnies. And it's where kids got to come in and they got to read The Sunday Funnies on TV. And it was kind of like a, you know, a good morning show kind of thing or whatever, but the kids got to do this certain particular part. Well, one uh, week they said, hey, we have the mayor of uh, Miami and we want one of you kids to interview him about the upcoming Orange Bowl Parade. Mm. Well, none of the other kids want to do it. So I'm like, okay, I'll do it. So as I'm talking to this mayor and I'm 10 years old on TV asking him questions or whatever else, it comes into my mind, oh my goodness, I can ask people questions? And they'll tell me stuff and I get the inside track on things and I get to know things. I'm like, this is what I want to do. All right. All right. That's a good spark. That is a good spark. The Orange Bowl, that, the bowl games used to be huge. They're not as big anymore since they went to the playoff series. But what was it like experiencing the Orange Bowl back in, in the 80s and 90s, early 2000s? I mean, it's just, it is the classic, right? The quintessential mm. place where it's kind of like what the West Coast has for the Rose Bowl. Right. The Orange Bowl was ours. It was the biggest game. You go to Miami to the Orange Bowl and it's this historic place where so many games have been played for decades. Mm, yeah. And then when, when you actually get there, I went to the University of Miami and I didn't realize how small it was. It's only like five to what? Five to seven thousand. Yeah. But it gives you, mm -hmm. when I was in radio, they used to call it theater of the mind. Just those big bowl games and that, those teams constantly in the media gave you the impression that there was just, just this huge facility with all these big grand stadiums and buildings and a beautiful campus. I just It was just small. It's a private school, like you said. You alluded to it earlier. You talked about your parents, um, your father being first generation from Puerto Rico and your mother coming from New York. Um, and your average viewer, they're not going to know about your parents, um, uh, but they can see what they've instilled in you. And um, so what what would be those qualities that uh, that you could say you picked up from dad or from mom that people can see portrayed on depicted on television today? Um, I think first and foremost is work ethic. <laughs> um, both of my parents were very, you know, you go to work, you do your job, you do your job well. You don't like, you know, call in sick. You don't, you know, say, oh, I'm only going to give 50 percent. They were both very you do your job and you do your job well. And when you show up, you give excellence. Um, that was always something. The other thing was kindness. Um, you know, every time my mom started a uh, new office, she's a dental hygienist, um, mm -hmm. and she would come into a new office, she would bake cookies for the entire office as they, hey, thank you for letting me be here. Uh, they were both very um, accepting of people and wanting to um, put the right foot forward and say, hey, I'm here and I'm here to do this job or be in this organization and I'm here with an act of kindness. Like I'm here to say, I'm thinking the best of you from, from day one. Right. You know, when you had your birthday celebration recently, you seemed to, and you were doing the food drive. Um, yes. You were more thankful to the folks that were contributing uh, more so than there was, there were acknowledgements about it being your birthday. So is that where that sentiment, that character comes from? Absolutely. I think, that, um, you know, you want your life to be more than just your life, right? Just coming home and going to work and driving a car and buying clothes and whatever else. You want to know that your life helped someone else's life. 
Okay. You know, I'm going to go ahead and put in a break here. We're speeding along in this conversation, which is good. Uh, but I want to come back and I want to talk about, I'm going to ask you about uh, a story that uh, may not have been, uh, I don't want to ask you about the, the story that you won the award for, one of them. I want you, to, I'm going to ask you about a story that kind of just maybe shook you or maybe, I don't want to say it shook. It absolutely shook me. That, okay. It, it, it. Okay. All right. And so we'll come back after that. We're talking to Tanya Rivera with WFNY. I've been there. When's your anniversary? February 2022, 20 years. Wow. February 2022. So it's coming up. Uh, it's coming up. So it is. <laughs> I'm glad we're talking to you, talking to you now. But we're here with Tanya Rivera from WFMY on History Notes. I'm Rodney Dawson, and we'll be back after this short break. You've been listening to History Notes, a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. To learn more about this podcast and many more, visit our website at www.greensborohistory.org. Now let's listen in to History Notes. Welcome back to History Notes. Again, Rodney Dawson, Curator of Education at the Greensboro History Museum. You can check us out at www.greensborohistory.org. Just go to the uh, Learn and Discovery tab at the top left, and you can hit podcast or put podcast in the search, and you can see all the podcasts we've done for over the past two to three years. Brody, I can't remember if we uh, or two years old with this or three years old with this, but we've spoken to everyone from to, from the Reverend Jesse Jackson to the author uh, Osha Gray Davison, who uh, wrote the book that led to the movie Best Best of Enemies, and and now we're talking to Tanya Rivera doing a series on women in media and going to be talking to uh, Monique Robinson, one of your colleagues, pretty soon um, um, in this series as well. But fascinating. And it's for Women's History Month. But, you know, I hate to designate different demographics to a particular month. You know, I think we should, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they do would, it all the time, do it all the time. And it doesn't have to be trauma related to get you in, in, in the news, you know, or talked about. It could be some just people always say, what's the history they're making? And I said, they're doing this. They're they're making an impact. They're meaningful. They're they're inspiring someone. That's the history they're making. It's their their story. And uh, everybody's making history every single day. Right. That's true. That is very true. You know, I didn't realize it until my uh, boss's boss told me. But I'm the first African American curator at the Greensboro History Museum. And uh, so and making I, history, right? Right. There. Making history. I didn't even know it was history until she told me last year. And I said, okay. I didn't get a raise or anything, but, you know. <laughs> I can tell my grandkids one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could be in the book. But speaking of the story, your story, you know, we see the news stories you do, but we don't see how. My wife is a midwife. And when she comes home and sometimes she has a bad day and, you know, they may have a very sad occasion where they lost a baby, lost a child. Uh, and she wears it and you could you could feel it, you know, just drains her or a tough case. In the news, we don't see you all go home. So um, can you, as much as you can, to the degree that you can, is there a story that, that stands out, or maybe two, that stand out that really shaped the remainder of your career or really shook you, as like the word we used before? Yeah, I think what you're probably thinking about is Apartment X. Mm -hmm. And Apartment X, for those of you who don't know, was um, it was well over 10 years ago um, that it used to be that, you know, they would do stories about these online predators talking to young girls and young boys and then luring them um, to meet them. And I had a friend who was over watching one of these network shows and she said, that's really interesting, but it would never happen here. And I said, what do you mean it would never happen here? She's like, well, it's just too small town. Like that doesn't happen. I'm like, oh, it's happening here. You just don't know it. 
And so I went to the sheriff and we started talking about how could we show people this? And we wanted to do it in a way where um, a lot of the network shows, yeah, they got to show you on TV what Mm. happened, but then afterwards the charges didn't stick. Mm. Okay, well, that that only serves part of the purpose, right? Right, right. Um, you want to get these people away from these children. And so we developed Apartment X, and that was where the deputies would be talking to these possible um, predators, and we would be waiting in an apartment for them to show up. And when they showed up, I met them at the door. A lot of them thought I was the mom, mm-hmm. and I was sitting them down to talk to them about it and this, that, and the other. Um, I would pray every single time that they said, all right, we have a predator on the line. He's going to be here at four o'clock. I would just pray he wouldn't show up. What about security? Did you have someone in the back? Or? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, there were cameras all over this apartment. The deputies that uh, had their um, firearms were like right behind the door. Okay. So, I mean, and then we made sure that there was a couch right by the door for that person to sit, a chair on the other side for me to sit, and a um a table in the middle so that there was a barrier. Okay. So it had to be well planned out. You had to, to oh, plan yes. every scenario, but the fear yeah. is still there. The, you never know the what can happen. The fear is there that they could do something. But really my fear was, my goodness, um, whoever you are, you're about to change your life and change the life of your family. And you're about to do something that you know is not right. Mm. So stop doing it. Right. But they would, they would take the bait and they would come and they would talk to me and, um, the fallout was not lost on me. Did we save kids from being talked to? Yes. Um, but there were a lot of families who then had a father or a brother or a mm-hmm. husband that was now facing these charges. Wow. So there was never a problem of having a, a predator. Um, no one ever backed out. Said, I, I, changed my, I mean, no. Just getting them there or just having the... Uh, sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes they would back out. But mm-hmm. I mean, we had, we had at least 10 come through the door. Right. And so you, you don't know. It's time. And, 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 and that, go ahead. to know that that's happening in your, in your community, to know that your kids could be talking to someone like that, to know that that person goes to the same, you know, grocery store that you do, mm-hmm. who might work with you, who, you know, walks down the street right. and you pet their dog. I mean, you just think to yourself, these people looked normal. They looked like someone that you would talk to and say hi to in the store. Mm-hmm. And there they were preying on your children. Mm. And, and, and to your point, you only have, what, 60 seconds, two minutes, three minute segment or whatever, even if it's a series. But at that one instant, you don't have a lot of time to, to share this information to make the public aware that this is going on. So with that one, it was so big that we did it every single night for a week. Okay. And so we had three or four minute stories in several different newscasts for an entire week because it was something that people needed to see. And we wanted to make sure it was saturated so people didn't miss it. So how do you, I can't, I'm going to use the term, wash this off and then go and do a story about a new business that's coming to the triad? (sighs) I I won't tell you that it's not tough because it's tough, right? Because you are a human being and you are thinking about all of these things. And I'm thinking about the awful conversations that these people were having, graphic conversations. At the same time, you think to yourself, okay, but this is one part of life. And here's another part of life that is, as this one is equally bad, this one is equally as good. So let's make sure we showcase this and we don't miss this. All right. So you have to learn to compartmentalize. 
to a certain degree? Absolutely. Okay. And that's that. does that come with becoming a veteran? Or is that something you pat? Would you pass that on to Monique, who, oh, who's, I guess, fairly new in the business, someone that's new? Is these the type of conversations you would have uh, with newer I folks? think we all kind of do that because we all, um, we all kind of know that this is part of how I get to share the good and the bad of life. But at the same time, I'm also doing my job. So, you know, we have time constraints, we have deadlines, we have uh, bosses that say, I need the story now, that kind of thing. So I think we start doing that from the very beginning. Okay. And, and when you start out now, you're on at what time now? So I'm on anywhere from four o'clock in the afternoon until 630. I have segments um, all throughout the four to six thirty, and then I have a Q and A that's fifteen minutes every single day at five thirty. Right, and you've talked to everyone from the superintendent to I saw the 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 safety in schools where you had the police chief and the sheriff and the police chief in High Point. Yeah, it was a great show, great episode. Um, my 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 question I was leading to is not one that I I wrote down is you didn't start out when you started out. Uh, what market were you in when you started out? Was it in Florida? Market 159, Panama City, Florida. Panama City, Florida. Well, at least you had some water around you. <laughs> That's right. And, yeah, it's and bad when it's the beach. When I was in radio, we were in the, I think, high 50s or high 40s. What's, what's the triad? What market is it now? It's in the 50s. It's still in the still 50s? Still right there in the 50s. Okay. Um, so, but you had to work your way up to, the, to, the, to, the, to where you are now. You had to, I know, what, tell us about those early days when you were getting up early or having to do <laughs> stories in the ice storm or the hurricane come or whatever it may be. Uh, what was that like? There was a lot of hurricanes in Panama City. And, um, you know, you think to yourself, you think that you're grown, right? Because you just had a college uh, degree and you got your first job, but you're 22 years old and they're sending you, because um, you're on call a couple of nights a week, they're sending you to a fire that's an hour and a half away in the middle of nowhere. You don't have a cell phone. All you have is a walkie-talkie, and you're there by yourself shooting the video of whatever fire or whatever it is. And you're thinking to yourself, ooh, am I safe? Can I do this? Should I be here by myself? Um, that was a huge thing. That was a huge thing back then, safety-wise. And um, You're making all of these decisions on your own mm -hmm. um, in the middle of the night and coming back, and then there's the story the next day. So I think that um, it's not what people think it is. Um, right. I, don't, I think they think that it's very like you get up there, someone else shoots the video for you and you get to look pretty while you talk about it. And that is not what it is. Well, the real talents make it look easy. And I think that's what you all have done. So <laughs> people are surprised. I'm going to get you out of here on, on a few more questions. But I did want to ask, you know, I used to, uh, I'm a big sports fan. And I would see folks um, that I knew were young, just out of college. And they would, you know, be sports reporters. And then the FMY or one of the local stations would send them to cover the Final Four. And I was like, man, how fortunate are they? You know, why couldn't I do something like that? Do you ever have one of those? What's that moment for you where you got to travel and cover something that was fun for you? I mean, I think definitely covering a hurricane out on the Outer Banks when it's coming in was totally fun and totally scary all at the same time. My mom said, hey, do you think you can get them to give you a hotel that's on the mainland? And I'm like, nope, mom, this is not how it works. Wow. <laughs> But being there and feeling what it is like to mm -hmm. actually stand on the beach when a hurricane is coming in as safely as possible, but you can't, feeling how the wind uh, whips up the sand and like sand blasts you. Mm. And you think to yourself, wow, this is what it's like um, to be able to do that and then be able to tell people stories of how people were able to persevere out after it and through it. <laughs> Funny thing. Uh, we were there in the hotel waiting, um, and 
the water came in and took the air conditioning unit out of the hotel room. What? <laughs> out of your room, and you still continued the story. Yeah. Oh, that's why you got two Emmys. <laughs> I, I probably have been in the car. Like, look, I had to leave. <laughs> I can tell you what I remember. But speaking of Emmys, start off. Tell us what an Emmy is. Uh, uh, how you submit for it, you know, as much as you can, you know, uh, but what is an Emmy? So there's a national Emmy award and a regional Emmy award, and I've won two regional Emmy awards. And what is it? What it is, is it is a peer based award. So we send all of our Emmy nominated stories that we want to send in to another station and another station somewhere else looks at all of it between us, Tennessee. Um, I think South Carolina is in our region. And they look at all the stories submitted and they watch them. So our peers are watching them say, this is worth an Emmy. This was worth um, an award. This was worth um, being recognized. And so that is how you get an Emmy. Okay. And so you were submitted, you probably submitted, uh, did you just submit twice or more than twice? You just got, how did that? You can submit every single mm -hmm. year. Um, and sometimes you get a nomination. So, mm -hmm. you know, people submit good. all the things and only so many get a nomination. And right. then, of course, from there, only so many uh, win. So, you know, depending on what year it is, depending on what you've covered, depending on what you had, you would submit it. So the two years that I did it, one of which was for just a reporter compilation. Mm -hmm. And then the other one was for one specific story that I did. And that was Apartment X. Or no? It wasn't Apartment, it wasn't Apartment X. X. Isn't okay. that interesting? Yeah, right. no. Okay. Um, and, and, and you've been in the business since 2001 or 2000. I've been in the business since 1994. Since 1994. <laughs> right, right. Okay. And I, I did a video. We're doing a music series, music and democracy series. And, uh, we're covering how democracy relates to these different musical genres. One I'm going to call Dem Rock Recy. I love that title. I came up with it on, on my own. I haven't copywritten it yet, but don't, no one steal it. <laughs> The other one I don't have a name for be classical music and, demo and democracy. And then I've completed the video for one called Hip Hop and Democracy. And I interviewed a couple of scholars, different people, but a couple of them have to be some hip hop scholars, including one uh, Professor Terman over at A&T. And he said, I remember a time where there was no hip on the no hip hop on the radio. And I remember that time. He said, and also I'm also seeing a generation where it's almost only hip hop on the radio. And so. For me, I always remember women being in media. We talked off mic uh, about uh, my secret third, fourth grade crush on Cynthia Smoot. Can't remember which station. Uh, <laughs> so I always remember. I remember Sandra Hughes, of course, and different folks. Of course. Um, have you seen, but that doesn't mean there were, they were sufficiently represented, adequately represented. Are you, have you seen an increase in women in the media uh, are they being promoted? Are there opportunities for growth that are uh, are pleasing to you? Uh, or is there room for improvement? I think there's always room for improvement. But what I have seen over the last 10 years, there's always been women in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. But the women behind the camera making a lot of the decisions, the executive producer decisions, the news director decisions, the general manager decisions. I think that has changed within the last 10 years and we're doing a much better job. Um, my news director is a female and um, it is just a wonderful thing to have women in those positions because we do. Everybody thinks differently. Men and women think differently, right? right? Different ethnicities think differently. We all have to be at the table and we all have to be representative for it to be 
right because our viewer is all of those things. Right. That's my motto in life. That's why I like you, Ted. Now, you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're a big-time Florida Gator fan. Go Gators. Go Gators. Now, were you there when Tim Tebow was? No, you weren't there when Tim was there. I was not there when Tim Tebow. I was there when Spurrier was coaching. Whoa. So you were there when the, the legendary, the, the, the uh, ball coach. With your old ball coach. Yeah, yeah, That's right. Okay. All right. <laughs> What's it like being at a game? Oh, my gosh. It's electric. Right. There's nothing like being at the swamp because it's so loud. And you got one side yelling forage. And you got the other side yelling. And it's fantastic. Did you ever love it? Did you ever go behind the hedges to to see him play at uh, Georgia? I have not. Okay, Uh, I heard that's a sight to see, too. And also going up to uh, Blacksburg at Virginia Tech. So I got a couple places on my bucket list. But uh, that floor, my cousin's been to a Florida game. So here's another question. You definitely need to go to the swamp. Yeah, okay. I will check out the swamp. All right. And let's see. I'm going to give you 15 seconds to answer this question. What's the bigger rivalry? Think about it carefully now. UNC Duke in basketball, Miami, Florida in football, or Florida, Florida State in football? Mm-hmm. Not now, but over the years, what's been the biggest rivalry? Historically, you would say. I'm going to have to say it's UNC Duke. You will? Wow. Yeah. I hope this doesn't air in South Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just think that it is such a storied history. Mm-hmm. And whether the teams are doing well or not, it is still hyped up in a huge way. And especially over the last 20 years with Shashevsky and Dean Smith mm-hmm. and you know Roy Williams and stuff like that, you, you can't you can't negate that. And they were just such big figures. Whereas we've had different coaches between Florida and Florida State. When it was Spurrier and Bobby Bowden. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you that. Bobby but without Bell. those two big guys there, I think it's not as much. Right. We're going to we miss him, uh, uh, Bobby Bowden, too. He passed. Good recently. man. Such yeah. a good man. All right. And we're doing Women's History Month here. Uh, have there been women in your career that helped pave the way for you? And do you feel you, you're returning the favor uh, yourself now? Oh, absolutely. My uh, news director in college at UF, Catherine Harwood, she started out as a reporter in Florida, worked her way up and finally went to Houston and then came back at UF. And she was just such a huge proponent of, we can do this. You can do this. Here's the better way for you to do that. And she um, took time with each one of us. And then she helped encourage other news directors to hire us. She has been like that um, since I left school, right? Mm-hmm. She has still done that with my other news directors and things. And I am just thankful for her. And so, yes, I search, we search people out in our newsroom and, hey, let me give you feedback. Let me tell you the great things that you're doing. Let me tell you the things I think you could be doing that would make you even better. Okay. Yes. That's a good way to put it. The things you could be doing that would make you even better. Right. Because when none of us come out of the womb knowing how to do what we do. Right. Right. And it's, and it's almost like an obligation to share that. And that's another way you I think you, that's another thing that I think your parents instilled in you, you know, just serving uh, people, serving others, yeah. doing it in a kind, compassionate way that they can receive it, that it lands well. Because if it doesn't land well, it's, know, it's not good. And, you know, if you're worried, if you're younger and you're like, well, what about I, I don't know how to ask this person. My dad would always tell me everybody puts their pants on the same way. Mm-hmm. Right. They're human, right? So so get on to their human side and ask for that help or ask for that mentorship. Okay. Don't worry that they're far above you. You know, you think Sandra Hughes, right? She didn't have to take the time, right? She'd been here forever and a day. But she was the kind of person also who would say, you did a good job on that story. Okay. 
All right, that's good to know. Good to know. And she's still present in the in the station. I hear. She's here and there now. Of course, you know, with COVID, we have not seen right. her in a while. But I texted her just a couple of weeks ago just to check in on her and that kind of thing. And, I mean, she's the, no, no, no one else is going to be made like her ever. Mm-hmm. Right. And, 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 of course, our thoughts and prayers are going out uh, for your, your colleague at, at WFMY. Um, uh, for those that know, we're, film, we're taping this on uh, January 26th and uh, the story that came out on the, on the 25th. Uh, are there stories? And I said I was going to get you out a long time ago, and I promise I'm getting you out. Are there stories I like here? It's good. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, was anything left on the table that you like to go revisit? Like that story that didn't make the cutting room floor where the editor said, nope, can't do it. Uh, it's not the right time where uh, you were disappointed or you'd like to go back and, and take another uh, swipe at it. Mm. I think there's always so many stories that we want to do that we, there's just isn't human possible time to do. So, you know, two wants to know, the big thing of this is call for action and tell us what your issue is and let us help you solve it. But we are inundated with people having all kinds of issues uh, every single day. And I wish that we could get to and solve 100% of them. But even with me and Ben and Kevin and an entire group of volunteers working CFA cases, we can't get to all of them. Take yourself back to 10-year-old Tanya in Miami, Florida. What it- <laughs> What advice, less bills, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> what advice would you give to an aspiring uh, newscaster today, even if it's a 10 year old that's watching uh, you on television every day or happens to listen to this that says, you know, that's maybe something I want to do? Um, what advice would you give them, male or female, I'm saying? Take every opportunity. I think a lot of times we get stuck in thinking, well, this person is saying, Um, I want you to work on the weekend mornings, or I want you to work on this shift, or I want you to do two wants to know. Um, And you don't think of yourself that way. And you think, "Mm, that's not really what I want to do. You take that opportunity and you learn that job to the best of your ability because it is going to help you down the road. When they asked me to do two wants to know 15 years ago, I didn't even really, two wants to know was not even on my radar. I didn't do consumer investigative reporting. I didn't do that stuff, but it became something that once it was in my wheelhouse, it became a Mm -hmm. whole new opportunity. Right. Right. Good advice. Good advice. And like you said off mic before, you just said it again. It can set you up for your next role in life. You're not. No learning opportunity is wasted. Right. That's true. It's going to make you a better whatever you are Mm -hmm. because you've known, oh, I have that skill and I have this skill and I have that skill and I can use bits and pieces of each one of them to make this next job even better. So so will your next job be teaching? I really do like to do that. I like to take people under my wing. I like to show people how to do things. Who knows? Who knows? All right. Two wants to know. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I can be quick sometimes, Tanya. Sometimes. You are. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't talk to my wife. She's like, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how can we stay connected to you? We know we can check you out um, uh, weekdays on WFMY. But what are some social media tags or other things that you would like to know about us? You know, but how can we stay informed on what you're doing? I'm sure. So, you know, there's always the twits, right? Mm-hmm. So that's Tanya Rivera on two and Facebook, Tanya Rivera on TV. And um, you can email me right at the station if you've got a story or if you've got a thought that you think that we need to look into something. And that's Rivera at WFMY.com. Okay. Well, it's been an absolute joy. I, I feel like I've been sitting talking to a longtime friend. And um, uh, I admire you and I appreciate you taking out the time and uh, you're doing you're doing impactful work and uh, your talent does your talent doesn't go unnoticed. 
Well, I appreciate that. I like being able to learn something and help somebody else learn something and maybe make life just a little bit easier that day. All right. Well, we've been talking to Tanya Rivera. I'm Rodney Dawson. This has been this edition of History Notes from the Greensboro History Museum. You can check us out at greensborohistory.org. And we're also open Tuesday through Friday, uh, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Saturday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Sunday, uh, 2 to 5 p.m. So be sure and check us out at the museum, 130 Summit Avenue, downtown Greensboro. And don't just come when your kid comes. Come throughout. A lot of stuff you can uh, familiarize yourself with. So thank you for listening to History Notes. You've been listening to History Notes, a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. Just as you visit it for this podcast, continue to go to www.greensborohistory.org and select the Discover and Learn tab to listen again or learn more about many other subjects. We also invite you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please stop by the museum when you can. We're located at 130 Summit Avenue, Greensboro. Hours vary, so visit our website or call 336-373-2043 for details. Once again, thank you and keep tuning in to History Notes.